You are listening to the Fantasy Joes Podcast, your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on Dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Trey Barrett, Will Greenwood, and Ryan Livergood. Can we talk about specific player values, Jordan, before we let you go? Sure. So I want to talk about, first on my list, I'm, I'm dying to hear what you think about Jameis Winston. Because <laughs> without giving anything away, because you, you talk about super flex and quarterback values in a really interesting way in Analytics of Dynasty 2020. Um, but, but so Jameis, in a way, kind of has a good profile for, for you know, quarterbacks we're looking at. But in a way, he doesn't. Like, I, I, I get a little Blake Bortles feel to, to Jameis Winston. So how do you value Jameis Winston? What are you doing with him? Yeah, he's – so I, I – you can check out the full process in the book, and I think it's, I think it's valuable. I think it's a, there's a lot there in terms of quarterbacks to – how to look at quarterbacks and the type of ones to avoid um, and, and sort of where the – you know, where the cut line is or where the, you know, what, what type of production that you really want to buy in for a player. Um, and there's one stat in there that is has historically been as big of gap as there is in all of dynasty football um, that I have found in terms of um, the who's legit and who's a fraud at the quarterback position. And Jameis is inside the line. So he's in the good side and basically what would have been about his last chance that I would have predicted in terms of historically qu- quarterbacks don't get inside the line much after he did it in terms of where they are in their career. Um, so he's on the right side of, of that tier for me. The question I have is, you know, do I trust him? And, you know, I, I so I look at player profiles. I start with player profiles and I like the profile and then I sort of back it out and I look do I trust the player? And there's just nothing that Jameis Winston has ever done in his career that makes me want to trust him. And so I'm in a little bit of a catch 22 with, with that decision, right? I, I, the metric side of my brain says, yes, the gut of my, of my feelings just don't trust him. And um, you know, he's at an interesting spot because he's, he's, he's a potential free agent. You know, what happens? Do they resign him? If not, where does he land? You know, those sorts of things. I think from just a value perspective um, and, you know, you look at, I'm just looking at January's ADP at DLF and he's quarterback 13 right now based on what he did and where he is at his career, what his pedigree is. He's going behind guys like Sam Darnold, Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield, um, Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen. Um, I think he's too low. And I don't, like I said, I don't love the player. I don't love the, his, his personal attributes, but just in terms of production and, and the hit rates of what you would expect with him and guys like Darnold and Daniel Jones and, and to some extent, Josh Allen and where's Rogers at in his career. Um, you know, B- Baker might be a little bit of a different case, although we could have a debate about that. I, I just think having Sam Darnold ahead of Jameis Winston in a draft is just criminal. So, um, you know, that would sort of be my thought on it. I think he's probably fits. I think he's probably a top 10 quarterback and it's, but would I pay him, you know, would I get into a situation where, you know, I would clearly have like Dak ahead of him and Wentz ahead of him, but I could see the argument for him as high as eight. Love it. 
Yeah, I think, and, I think and, it's good. He's polarizing for sure. And and Jordan, like, what if I told you? Uh, and Ryan, you we talked about this last time. Yeah. That uh, so Jameis Winston is the in the top twelve quarterbacks of all time. That uh, you know, uh, Pro Football Stats is her has been recording he's in the top 12 of all time he's tied for like seventh with 30 interceptions but five of those top 12 are are hall of famers so he has the the potential to make it just 50 50 i like that percentage (laughs) yeah he uh in in it's funny because his like his touchdown rate you know one of the things i really really think you should look at with quarterbacks is touchdown rate and because it's fickle year over year. So a guy like Lamar Jackson at almost 9% of his attempts went for touchdowns. Like that just doesn't happen year over year. So the average from my sample, the way I broke it down, I sort of excluded some of the outliers, but I think it's just of the top 30 quarterbacks. Uh, it's like 4.6 is the, is the average touchdown rate. Um, and it's not very correlated year over year. So you can expect a lot of fluctuation in that. Um, you look at a guy like at, uh, Lamar Jackson, he's basically like three standard deviations outside of that number. So you expect that to bounce back. But Jameis, he produces a top five season. You know, depending on your scoring, it's a little bit different how people score quarterbacks. But yeah. I think by consensus, he'd be in the top five. Um, and he was just a little bit over. You know, he was four point or five point two, five point three actually percent. So it's not anything that's unsustainable. Uh, and with that type of volume, if he got an uptick and sort of things went more right for him, like that's, he has quarterback one upside, one overall upside for a season. Yeah. And I wonder what those numbers would be for the last two years. Cause we've seen some, some uh, pretty big uh, variance with individual quarterbacks and even just like last three, cause I feel like the NFL is, is changing quite a bit until we get to the playoffs, but the, you know, the fantasy, doesn't care about the NFL playoffs. Uh, yeah, in terms of like, in terms of the touchdown rate going up. Yeah, in in, in general, yeah, passing passing attempts and, and touchdown rate. Yeah, so I actually looked at in the book the uh, the yards per attempt has gone up. Like, if you just regress the the numbers, it's actually gone up 0. 0.03 yards per season since two thousand. Um, so that it has it has sort of been trending up. Um, I didn't do the same for touchdown rate. So I'm not sure off the top of my head. I, I think there's a, a related rise, but it's, it's not a ton, right? Because I mean, 0.03 yards per attempt isn't like, that's not that much. And actually there's a, a, a slight downtick that these two years have been lower than the baseline. So um, where 2015 was higher, or actually, sorry, 2017 and 16 were below the baseline where 2015 was higher. So my data didn't have 2018 in it. So, um, but yeah, I just, I, I uh, generally were getting better in terms of passing offenses. Um, I don't, I, I wouldn't expect a, a drastic rise in terms of the, the general rate. Okay. So for both you guys, just to talk about values, um, you, you want, I've got Jameis Winston, um, Aaron Rodgers. the offers Aaron Rodgers for Jameis Winston. Do, do you, uh, do you make that deal? Do you give, give up your Aaron Rodgers for Jameis? What's the format? We'll say it's a super flex. Uh, we'll say four points per passing touchdown. How many for interceptions? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, uh, that's a good, that's a good feedback. Good feedback. Good feedback. <laughs> oh man it's negative two points for it yeah. i just want to have james being a starter 
long term, like the next three years, let's let's play it that way. I worry about Jameis being a starter. I'll take Rodgers. That's interesting. Um, yeah, who starts more games in the next three years? Is it Winston or is it Rodgers outside of injury? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, man, that's a close call for me. I, I think if it's a start one, I'd rather have Winston because it's more. I I I'm willing to pay. For, I'm willing to yeah. uh, suffer the risk a little bit more. Um, you pick up Ryan Fitzpatrick later in the season when he takes yeah. over for Winston again. Man, in a in so a super bad. flex draft, man, that's a that's a tough that's that's tight for me. That's that's a tight call for me. Um, I'd probably take Rogers. Gun to my head, I'd probably take Rogers over Winston. <laughs> I like to say instead of that, like house on the line. <laughs> your, your home is on the line. Uh, your wife. I don't know how many animals you have, but everything's on the line. I, I would take. I would take Rogers. What about uh, we talked about him earlier, Preston Williams, a guy like that? Because uh, I'm not, I need to even look up what his value is right now. But Jordan, is that a guy if you could acquire him cheap enough, you'd want to take a bet on Preston Williams? Um, I I think the market's going to be higher on him. I'll just check his cost real quick. What his ADP was? Um, and as you go through with this, remember Ryan Fitzpatrick was his quarterback in in 2019. And when he leaves and they go back to a rookie rookie quarterback, I, I and I'm not I'm not kidding with this. I don't know, two in a couple I, of years, who knows? No, I, I okay. but I don't think Preston Williams would be there at that point. It, it, I I don't trust uh, who he is and what his profile is. I know that he flashed some athleticism, but then got hurt. But how many times have we seen that? Yeah, so the hit rate on on UDFAs is just really low, right? Um, and. Uh, you just look at the cost. I mean, he's basically 105 overall, so he's going what 10th, 11th round, somewhere in that range. Um, or sorry, eighth or ninth round, actually. Yeah, he's going about eighth or ninth round. Um, and you look at the players going around him. I mean, James Washington's right, right in front of him, but you have OJ Howard and Daryl Henderson and Alexander Madison and David Joku going after him. I mean. I you just have to take those players over him. It would sort of be my thought. I mean, Edelman's going right in the same range as him. You know, he's sort of a different case because there's potential retirement there and those sorts of things. But um, yeah, I just think when you look in that range, he's a he's a pretty clear fade for me. Yeah, the costs are higher than I thought. I'm looking in the the trade finder, and I see him going a couple instances for a, a 2022nd round pick, 2021 second. Preston Williams uh, for McCole Hardman. Uh, so those are the type mm. of collateral. Yeah, yeah, I'd take a, I would take a second for him. Like if I had him and could oh, get I a second, too. I would definitely yeah. do that. Yeah. Let's see a couple other interesting names on the list. Um, what about Leonard Fournette now? What's, <laughs> what's your take on Leonard Fournette? Cause you were a big believer in him, right? Jordan coming into the year. And, and I think that pretty much paid off. I mean, he had a great year. I mean, it seems to me as a Leonard Fournette owner, he 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 faded down the playoffs for me. I, like I I feel like he let me down if memory serves. But and once again, that's that recency bias sticking in my head. But um, where are you now? I mean, do you think Will and I were talking about him before the show started? We were talking about 100 targets. Are we going to see that again? Um, there's some other interesting things with Fournette. Yeah, I mean, 100 targets is is one question. I think the the touchdown is a totally different question, right? Do you well, ever see yeah. Do you ever see that number again? And yeah. it's funny because I was on I was on Fournette for 
I, I just thought coming into the season that like, you were getting him. I would get him in fifth round in a super flex draft. And yeah. I was just like, that's, that's lunacy. I mean, that's just, it's just, you can't get a profile like that, that cheap almost ever. You have to do that. Um, you know, and he was a target of mine in the fourth round. So we fall into the fifth round. I mean, that's, I was just, it, it's funny because I ended up being running back heavy in the first five rounds and I, I never do that. And it was a totally weird feeling. Um, but in, in round five, I just couldn't, I couldn't pass. Um, I was as probably as bullish as you would find on him coming into the season in terms of, I said, if he puts it to, if he can play 15, 16 games, I just think his, his potential is a touchdown a game. And, you know, that he could see 250, 300 carries more than that and, and have a big season. And he has a big season, but it's all receiving. Like even I wouldn't, I was as probably as bullish as you would have found on him. And I had plenty of misses. Like, don't get me wrong. We could spend a whole show talking about players I missed on this year too, but, (laughs) um, but I was bullish on him. And even I didn't put a hundred targets in his range of outcomes. I mean, I would have, I would have never predicted that. So it's funny because like him and Josh Jacobs are essentially the opposite things. Josh Jacobs came into the season, you know, and we had questions about, could he be a workhorse running back? And we felt really good about his ability to be a pass catcher and essentially does no pass catching and proves that he can be a workhorse. And on the flip side, can can I have a quick question? Did he actually prove that he can be a workhorse? Uh, yeah, I mean, he he carried – I mean, I don't know what the – I mean, he was basically almost a 20-touch-a-game guy. 242 attempts in 13 games. Yeah, he played 13 He played thirteen games. That's. I, I mean, I, I get the attempts were high, not a big pass catcher, but it, it – and this might be, like, overreaching on the rookie season, but is that not uh, a, a red flag a little bit? In terms of what, his injuries? Yeah, he. I mean, he missed three games and he didn't catch passes. Why do we? Why do? Why do we? Why? Why do we value that? Oh, I would value it pretty aggressively in terms of he's a 21 year old running back with a round one pedigree that hit is in his rookie season, and I think his best trait hasn't been brought out yet. I mean, that's that's a pretty, that's pretty, that's pretty attractive, and. I mean, I, I think that when push comes to shove by the end of the season, I think he's he's going to be in the top 18 picks, if not closer to being a top 12 startup pick in terms of what his profile suggests. Um, you know, a 20 touch, you know, we, we can say, oh, he didn't catch a lot of passes, but 20 touches a game is, pr- is, a, is a pretty good number for, for a running back. And I, the natural, I mean, injuries happen at running back. I mean, injuries happen a lot at running back. Um, and so that he missed that he missed time. I mean, him and Barkley played the same amount of games. Yeah, but Bar- but Barkley was a, a, a true stud in college, right? Uh, and had held up to more games than what Jacobs held up for this year. I no, mean, he, he was twenty the same number. In stat they, played, the they played the same number. They both played thirteen games. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I guarantee Barkley during his starting games was a higher snap share than than Jacobs. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I I. I'm not sure. I'd have to check on that. Um, no, I just I, I. But you don't have to pay the cost of Barkley to get Jacobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think so. I, think I mean, that's a different. Totally it's a but different. He's not Saquon Barkley, right? No, he's not Saquon Barkley. But he's if you put him, if you sort of map it out in terms of 
all right, you get a guy that's a first round running back that's 21 years old that has a top 24 season, like running back, running backs drafted in the first round of the NFL draft that are 21 years old, do not grow on trees. And there's, and they are highly valuable. And of all of the, of all of the assets in all of dynasty football, the most productive ones are 21 year old rookie running backs. Uh, and when they go in round one and they hit in round in year one, like that's a really, really good trajectory for a player. So I get that we might not necessarily love the, the profile. Like I sort of, I, I get that, but I think at some point you need to reduce the, the fact that he wasn't a bell cow in college. Like that actually has the benefit that he doesn't have the same wear and tear. So a guy that has 20, that has 20 touches a game and yes, he got hurt, but a lot of running backs get hurt and you just look at the hit, the injury rate at running back. I mean, it's, it's North of 50% of the guys that are starters coming in that are top 24 projections coming in the season, get hurt. And those things happen, but you know, you just, I, at his, at his price, I think he's a pretty attractive buy. But I, I'd be curious what the injury rate is of running backs that didn't have college workloads uh how, how that very, like goes from season to season like if he is now a top running back for next year but didn't have a heavy college workload is that different than you know year over year I, I don't know the answer to that but that I think that matters a little bit um yeah I mean make, I, like, I, massive I, decisions on but I mean but you could say the flip side of that is how do you want to play with more career carries or less career carries I mean, so, if they hold up to those career carries, give me more. Yeah, but how do you know that in advance, right? Like, do you want? Do you really so, want to? Do you want a running back? I mean, there's a reason why 21 year old running backs go a round higher in the NFL draft than 22 year old running backs. Yeah, so like, it's, it's like they the, have question, less the question: the question of what do I like, Jamal Charles or Adrian Peterson? There wasn't a great answer to that question throughout time. You know, like they 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 both got injured. They both had you know, their their issues, but uh, in general. It, this, uh, I'd be curious to see if this is a sign somebody who doesn't have a lot of career carries now gets hurt in their first year uh, how it goes the second year to me with where with where I see uh, you know you know, he he's getting ranked it to me it, it seems like a pretty good sell candidate to move up into one of the guys who maybe you know, maybe has like you know could I package him up for a Saquon Barkley you know could I could I could I take Josh Jacobs and move another piece to get to that elite level. I don't. I don't see Josh Jacobs as moving to the actual fantasy fantasy producer that gives you that seven points per game advantage. Um. Yeah. I mean, I guess it would be what the other, what the percentage of the, or what the number is on the the cost of that, right? Like what, what, what we're talking about that spread being. Um. Are we talking about that being a, you know, are we going to Jacob from Jacobs to you know, Alvin Kamara, are we paying a first round pick to do that? Cause I'd definitely rather be on the, the Jacob side of that, you know? And so, I, I mean, I guess the question is what's the, what's the flip side cost of it? Yeah. And that's a, basically I, I, I want to talk like specifically and not talk, but my reference will be here. will be Barkley. Cause I think to Kamara's there's too much variance uh, built within there to where you, you know, moving up for that. Or if you could move Jacobs and, and get Kamara, uh, and then maybe even if, if the, that player values them higher, let's get let's get a late first round pick, let's get a second round pick, and, and make that kind of move. What for? But you'd have to give like you'd have to give Jacobs in a first for Kamara. 
I mean, potentially depending on what the people are reading and doing, I feel like Jacobs for Kamara might be some a deal somebody might take if they are really invested in draft capital. Um, I mean, maybe. I could be wrong. I mean, maybe. I don't think anyone's going to make that deal. I would be surprised if that deal gets made straight up. I mean, but um, yeah, I would be surprised that deal gets made straight up. But you look at you look at guys. You look at how players hit and guys that are twenty one year old running backs. Like the, I mean, twenty one year old round one picks. It is a, that's a rare profile. It's a rare profile. It's a really good profile. And so you go and accumulate those things. And I mean, Kamara is is going to be three years older than Jacobs. And Kamara's, you know, I'm I, I'm not writing his career off, but he that's three years in his prime that you're losing by that, that you, that Jacobs hasn't hit yet. And you're, it's a, I mean, it's a question of, uh, I guess it's a question of, of what do you do in a startup? Are you the person that, that moves up from the second round pays a 2021st to move up in the second round from the second round to the first to draft Kamara? I'm not that owner. I would rather have Jacobs in the first than, than trade up to, um, and I think it would actually probably cost you that or a little bit yeah, more yeah. than that to actually make execute that well, trade. Uh, so the I, I have are, a question but... for you guys talking about trade values to make this well, real. So it... I, I pulled in the trade calculator, uh, Josh Jacobs and the 2020 for Alvin Kamara, which side do you guys like? Is it super so flex? I, super flex league. Yes. So I can send my uh, 2020 and Jacobs for Kamara. I think that's I, fair. I, I, I think that's fair. In that, in that, but like, yeah, I think it's that's not. Uh, I have no complaints. So you guys are just on uh, different sides of that equation. But no, but like, uh, so so Jordan, the the question I was kind of getting with it is like the the density of that. So in, in theory, right, Josh Jacobs has already hit, right? Yep. In, in his rookie season, pretty pretty easy. I mean, he's a good player. He's good at football, and he's he's a great uh, asset to the NFL team. So so with density moving forward, uh. What does that look like for him? And you don't, I don't want you to give away, you know, you know, too much from the analytics of dynasty. But is is that why you're moving him up? Is just because the density for the future is that he's going to hit more often, or is it because he hit once and that's why he's bumped up? Well, you, uh, you, it, it depends on the player type about sort of how you view them. But if you look at the density of players and sort of, I, I broke it down in the book by by pedigree and by position. So I took each position and then I just looked at each draft round and said, of the guys that hit, here's how dense their hits are. Um, you know, 21% of, of round one running backs are, uh, so let me, let me take that back of the running backs that hit 61% of them in round one hit three times. That's as, as dense of a number as you'll find in terms of, in terms of these numbers. And when you sort of get on the out, the outliers, um, you know, f- 12% of them hit in, in, for four, 12% of them hit for five years, 9% of them hit for six years. And then you sort of get 3% want, at yeah. seven, eight, nine, and 10. And that's as dense of a, of a number as you'll find. So when you get a guy that is, is that young, that is a first round pick and that hits like that's as dense of a hit as you'll find. And I get that you're sort of, that you could say that Jacobs doesn't have that grade of a, of a, of a profile coming into college and that maybe he didn't warrant a first round pick, but he went there 
and they see him as a 20 touch a game guy. And um, does that mean that he has to play less snaps? Yes. Maybe that's what that means. But if he's playing 45% of their snaps and seeing 20 touches a game, I feel pretty good about that. Um, and that means maybe they're doing smart things with him instead of, instead of um, chipping away at him like Carolina did with, with McCaffrey. Maybe that means that his, his hits aren't, aren't RB3 finishes, but maybe that means he's got, he's got multiple RB12 finishes. You know, that, that yeah. maybe, his, well, maybe the way that he hits is a little bit it's, – it's the, dense, the density is longer but not quite as high as a guy like McCaffrey. But you're getting a two-round discount in startup drafts right now on that. So, I mean, that's really what I – in terms of you, when you get round one rookie running backs that hit in 21 years old, that's, that's a gold standard. And, Ryan, you should just cut this and make it Patreon <laughs> and then <laughs> – like no man we're not cutting this are you kidding to jordan so that's that's the that's the that's the perfect point is that it, it matters because this is dense and this is predictable for the future right at least in the past like the best predictor of the future is the past for the most part right like that's uh and that's what i was curious about jordan and that's that's such a great answer and that's uh i still i still struggle with josh jacobs i really do <laughs> uh and but it, I, I'm I'm wrong often and could probably be wrong again. Maybe who knows? <laughs> but I, I I think there's more to Jacobs' profile than has been brought out yet. And I think that that offense was okay, but I think it was limited. It was pretty limited by the fact that okay they had Darren Waller, but they had like Tyrell Williams masquerading as a wide receiver one. Um, if you sort of get that offense going and get more weapons in it, doesn't that create more opportunities for him to? Uh, him to score double digit touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, he had seven this year, which is nice. But I think if you, I think that offense could be even. I mean, he rushed for eleven hundred and fifty yards this year, and that's a that's a, a, a and really all tape guys number. love him. Like he's he's elite. Okay, he's, he's nice. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, one question for you. So let let's say you can get um, in the superflex league, you could get the one hundred and one for Jacobs because there are people that are really high on him, and they may be mm-hmm. like, I want this shirt. I, I believe in him. Uh, he he's he's hit. I think he's a sure thing. I don't want to take the risk with the one hundred and one. As excited as this class is, and maybe it's a little bit of a stretch, but you might be able to get that done. So, do you take the one hundred and one, or you take Jacobs? Because when when you think in this class, there there are going to be some guys that have better overall profiles and, and draft capital invested in them that you'd want, or are you, are you going to stick with the, what what you know and, and stick with Jacobs? Um, I think the player that you'll get at one hundred and one is going to be a better player than he is. The question is, is what, you know, if you're going to take a quarterback that's lighting your hair on fire. So if you're going to take Joe Burrow at 101, don't do that trade. Um, but if you're going to take a running back, um, I think it's a fair price. I think it's a fair price. Um, I'm not, I've been asked this before and I've sort of, I haven't really come down on it. Um, I think in a vacuum right now, like if you were to tell me that DeAndre Swift's going to be a first round running back, I'd probably do it. I'd probably take the one-on-one for him, but um, I'm not sure that's going to happen. Um, so I don't, you know, knowing what I know right now, I if I if I was forced to do it today, I'd probably take Jacobs. But I can see that changing. And if you're on the other side, it's I think it's okay as long as you're not going to take Joe Burrow. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, 
how we how we doing on time, Jordan? Do you, do you time for a couple more guys to discuss? Or? Listen, man, I'm I'm unemployed right now, so you you got you got me until two weeks from now. Okay, but you're not for our listeners. Jordan's not really unemployed; he's between jobs. It's okay. Uh, nah, he's no. He, we should keep. He is so broke. You need to buy the analytics of Dynasty 2020, <laughs> or Sorry, his please cats won't eat. He, he needs to go to the grocery store. Please buy. Please buy both. If you don't have 2019, if you do, buy it again. Uh, Twenty dollars and thirty dollars. Um, we never talked about Fournette. I don't. I mean, we started talking about him, but uh, do we uh, just quickly uh, buy or sell? Like, what uh, you, I was such a big Fournette fan coming into the draft, uh, and this is one of the things that Annalisa Dynasty is great for because he's broken my heart uh, in the last couple of years until this year, which I was happy about. But now the, those hundred targets, Jordan, I just don't trust that for the future. No, but I don't. I don't trust the targets. But I, I, if that number comes down to sixty or seventy, I think we feel really good about it. Um, and I think we know that he can do that now. And I don't think the the touchdowns are going to be that low. I mean, if you told, if you, it, seriously, if if anyone had said coming into the season that Leonard Fournette's going to be running back six on on total points in this, or sorry, that's uh, let me let me take that back. Sorry, I messed up my what I was sorting for he was going to be running back seven and coming into the season I think anyone in the world would have taken that um, and if you would have told them that he, he you can take that but he's only going to have three touchdowns people would look at you like you had 16 hats like no one would have thought that um, I, I think that that yeah he probably regresses as a passer or as a pass catcher but I still think <laughs> he's got a really solid floor in terms of receptions and I think the touchdowns could triple quadruple and more than make up for that so i mean quadruple is only 12 touchdowns so it's right so it's, it's not so that unreasonable but that's that's how that's yeah. right it could it could go up five times i mean he's a he is the type of player that can rush for a touchdown a game um it and should and if he did that i mean honestly like you look at the guys up at the top of the up at the top of the board i mean derrick henry finished as, as running back five and he had 16 touchdowns um and so you just i mean yeah he had a ton of he had 400 more rushing yards than leonard fournette did almost that many um but you you could very easily make a case that okay leonard fournette has a career year on the ground with his passing opportunity he has running back one upside um and i think that's i think that's very i think it's very much in his range of outcomes uh and so you know uh, and a lot of the the touchdown stuff can be fluky and just in terms of of his uh, of his you know, red zone carries and all of those things but i think i think his profile is pointing right I, the question i think really the question you should ask is him or jacobs because i would take i would take jacobs over fournette even though i love fournette that's four years of difference in and that, that prime. That, the thing is i want to i want to ship fournette where i have him after this productive season to a guy who believed in fournette like i did as a younger man uh <laughs> to, to, to either move up to like like maybe even like even just straight up for Jacobs, I don't think that's like that's something I'd probably do. But I want to I want to package Fournette with somebody else, or even just you know let let's find somebody who's a draft capitalist who would would move Fournette for Kamara. You know Kamara missed some games this year. That's the kind of deal I want to do because I don't believe in Fournette's future necessarily in Jacksonville. And I know that situations can change quickly, but that that franchise isn't looking that great uh, at the moment. Or if I can if I can move him for somebody a little bit lower, like, like, uh, I mean, I don't know how far we're going to go down the board. 
you know, like if I could get Melvin Gordon for when he's going to free agency, plus like a first round pick, that's something I would do for Fournette, something like that. I guess it'd matter where the first round pick was, but yeah, let's I mean, say top think, seven. Uh, top seven. Anything I think after that, I'm probably out. Yeah, I think Gordon and and Fournette are on um, different tracks at this point. So, um, I think Gordon, you're getting the, but Fournette's going to be 25. I mean, that's you're you're getting to the point where he is firmly in his in his uh, in the prime of his career. And, but that prime comes – the end of that prime comes quick. And Gordon's a lot – you know, just a year more. I mean, that's a – and running backs in their prime, those those windows aren't that big. So a year and two makes makes a big difference in terms of those guys. But, um, you know, I, I think that tier, if you sort of take you – know, if you go from basically six to ten, that tier of Chubb and Mixon and Fournette and Henry and Jacobs, like – I think you could really reasonably make an argument for Josh Jacobs as being six. Um, the question is, is where, where do rookies fall in that tier? And I think there's multiple of them that you could take over, over a couple of those guys. So um, I'd probably take Mixon over Jacobs, but um, so I, I would probably have Jacobs at seven. Um, but uh, you know, I think there's, there's running back that tier is going to shake up because you're going to get rookies in that tier. Yeah, if I could move from like from like Zeke to Fournette plus a spot in the draft where I'm going to get one of the the top two running backs, I'd do that. I doubt you can do that though. I know, but it's still fun. <laughs> so I was such it's it's the first time in my life though I've argued it, like against Fournette at any point in time. How's it feel? Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> or a vomit. <laughs> Can, can we talk about the? I know a lot of a lot of places have talked about this, but Jordan, I got to get your take on on AJ Brown, the the hottest guy in Dynasty. Everyone just loves AJ Brown, and, and he's a fun player to watch, and he's a hit this year, right? Um, day two guy. So, but but where he's going, do you have to kind of try to sell AJ Brown? I know that I've seen him going in too many deals. I I did see a deal the other day in one of my leagues. Um, it was AJ Brown for for Diggs. It was just a straight straight up deal. So what what what's your what's your thought process on AJ Brown right now? Yeah, I mean I think he's pretty hot. So he gets the hit in year one. Um, the question I have is is uh, you. I think this part of the season. This is a good time to have this conversation. But this this part of the season, if you're sort of looking at the dynasty calendar, and I on my podcast I did this you know January to do list, and one of the things I talked about was look at look at the stats and, and not just the box score stats, like just take a step further and look at what he did and see how repeatable it is. So you, you take a player that had, I think his number was 84 targets. Um, I looked it up last night. I was, you, you I was, nailed it. That's right. I think it's 84 targets. Um, and you look at his fantasy stats and it came out to being 2.44 points per target is what his receiving stats came out to be. And historically that number falls at, at 1.65 is about the number that you would expect a target to be worth. Now, are there players that their targets are worth more? Yes. Um, But generally speaking, that's what a target is worth. And generally speaking, the number isn't sticky year over year. So the guys that you see that are big outliers, they don't repeat that. The guys that you see that are outliers on the on the downside, and the best example in recent memory, maybe the poster boy of this, was DeAndre Hopkins, and he had 
uh, I think it was 2015, if memory serves. It was um, he had some quarterback problems, but he posted 1.31 points per target. He then bounced back in uh, on 151 targets. He he missed being a top 24 receiver that year on 151 targets, which is just insane for that to happen. Uh, the next year he posted wide receiver one because that number came back up when it came, you know, it basically, if you average the two years together, he came out right about at 1.65, which is what you would expect to happen. And he had a wide receiver one finish cause he bounced back. So the question I have with, with Brown is he's not going to be this efficient going forward. There's just, it's, it's virtually impossible for that to happen. Um, and it just historically is without much precedent, um, or any precedent really. Um, how much does his volume go up? And so I think really, if you're looking at Brown, I think the decision he's a cascade sort of second effect guy on what they do with Derrick Henry and what they do with Ryan Tannehill. Cause if they bring back the band and say, let's do this again, I wonder how he gets up into the the reasonable number for a top 24 wide receiver, which is like 120 or 130, or 140, but people are paying. I mean, someone asked me if I thought he was a top five wide receiver in dynasty. I'm like, no, um, but that's the type of conversation that we're having. And if he's not going to put up 120, 130, 140 targets in a season, I get a hard time seeing how that happens, how that, how he's not a disappointment. Um, based on you're taking them in the top, you know, eight of a wide receivers or something that high. I mean, you, you have to fade that um, if you're just making the efficiency bet. So um, I, I I wonder with what they do on offense if he's a, if he's a realistic threat to be you know 130 140 target guy. Um, I'm not going to pay that cost. I'm just not going to pay that cost because you're going to be able to take guys after him that that can. Right, you're going to. I mean, he's him and Amari Cooper are going right next to each other. I, give me Amari Cooper the ability to get that volume over him. Um, you know, I'm sure people are going to take Odell Beckham uh, after, or, you know, take AJ Brown over Odell, Odell Beckham or Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, I just I have a hard time doing that because I just don't think that their target possibility. I don't think Brown's target possibility is that high. Okay. I, I, I like it. I, th- I think it's a compelling argument. Uh, and I guess the, if I were arguing for AJ Brown and I'm not, you know, I, I might say, well, I, I mean, yeah, Jordan was his first year. And those, he had a low number of targets, but those targets are going to go up. The volume's going to go up. So we're going to see him score more. What do you say and, to those and that's people? Certainly, that's, certainly, that's the bet you have to make, right? You can't say, oh, look how efficient he is. You just can't do that because that, those things don't repeat themselves. Um, and you know, it's fluky. Like if you just watch back at his tape, some of the stuff was fluky, like a defender fell down and he ran it in for a 65 yard touchdown. Right. Right. Like if you take those points out of it, that, that number drops a lot. Right. And it's just because the guy fell down. Not that he didn't not, it's not AJ Brown's fault, right. But he was the benefit of good luck. And those things happen. You know, do we really expect Ryan Tannehill to be a 7.7, uh, of his passes go for touchdowns? I don't. Right. Like he's, that's two (laughs) standard deviations outside the normal. We don't, we're not going to make that bet. That's a bad bet. And that's what kind of what you're betting on with with AJ Brown. Right. I mean, he, he scored uh, eight of those touchdowns or eight touchdowns total, you know, and do we really expect that number to stay that high? I just don't. 
Uh, I just, I don't expect that to happen. So, and they threw the ball a total of 448 times. Just, are we really expecting him to get 30% of their passing targets? This is a team that runs three tight ends out there and runs all these, you know, tight, you know, tackle eligible passes and those sorts of things. Do we really expect him to get 30% of their targets? I don't, I don't, that's just a really, really steep hill to climb. And, you know, does the volume go up? Maybe, uh, maybe the volume goes up, but if they bring back Henry and bring back Tannehill, I think we sort of know what their, what their thought process is on how they want to play offense. Right. All right. We, we got time for, for one more guy and, and will, do, do you want me to, to do this one or, or, or do you want to, we'll put him on the sheet. No, fire away. So, Oh, Jalen Hurts. Is this yeah. what you're talking about? Yeah, Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I thought so you would the, want to take this one. In, yeah, in the profile that you're building, because it's just, it, it's honestly, like I heard it, I was listening to Dynasty Blueprint today, and I'm very intrigued by Jalen Hurts. Uh, where, where does he have to go in, in the upcoming 2020, rookie, like the, the NFL draft, for him to be, for you to get excited about is what I wrote in there, but just to be like very intrigued. Um, I, I guess it would depend on how the class falls out. Um, I, I think if he's a second round pick, I, I'll be interested depending on his cost. Um, I guess is what I would say. If he's a second round pick in the NFL draft, um, depending on how the quarterback class in general falls out, I'll be, I might be interested if, for example, uh, you expect, you know, Burrow and Tua to both go in the top five. You get Herbert in the top 10 and you get a guy like Jordan Love later in the draft. You get a couple other guys on day two. Um, and Jalen Hurts is going to be like the sixth or seventh quarterback off the board in super flex drafts. I'm probably going to be interested in him at his cost. Um, if on the flip side, you get, um, you know, Jalen Hurts and he's a, he's a quarterback on day two, um, Herbert falls for some reason, which uh, I think there's a pretty widespread on how people think of him. Ultimately, I think he's going to be a top 10 pick just because I think there's going to be demand for it. Um, you know, a guy like Jordan Love sort of continues on a disappointing track in his preseason process. Um, these other guys don't really vault up and you get Jalen Hurt is like the, is the quarterback four and he's on day two, I think he's probably going to be an avoid player at his cost. So I guess it's going to matter. I, I, I don't dislike the player per se. Um, I'm not anti-player, but I think it's going to be a lot. I mean, a big thing in all these things is cost. And so if it sounds like I'm, you know, repeating myself, it's, I believe that cost is critical um, and cost, particularly at the, you know, with the profile, when you meld those two things together, it's a really, really important factor in how you make your decisions. So I think in the general context, like if he's going to be a day two guy, I, I would be surprised if he's a first round pick. Um, I haven't paid a ton of attention to mock drafts and that sort of stuff. I'd be surprised if he's a first round pick. Uh, but if he goes somewhere in, in the second round or something like that, and is, is quarterback five, six, seven in this class, I can see myself being interested. He's an interesting player, and it will be interesting to see where a guy like him goes because he had such a great year at Oklahoma this year. And, you know, if, if you played, for example, college football DFS or something, he, he won you some weeks. So people may write that script. That some people are mocking him to go to the Chicago Bears, for example. So with the way Mitchell oh, no. like this year. No, I could he's, see – I don't I don't well. think it's going to happen. But, you know, they'll be like, oh, Matt Nagy's got a quarterback that can run the Bears system and – you know, I, I could see this narrative getting written and built up where people 
you know, might reach for him a little bit. They, you know, maybe the end of the first round of a rookie or Superflex um, rookie league or, or not rookie league, but rookie draft. I'm sorry, we're getting tired. <laughs> or or uh, early second. So <laughs> it's possible. It'll, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Hurts. He's an yeah. intriguing guy. Such a fun yeah. college football player, but. Yeah, and when yeah. you look at guys like if he were to, what would be interesting is if he if he pulled a Lamar Jackson and snuck into the late first round, right. so that would be really interesting because, um, you know, the first round hit rates a lot higher than the second round, uh, and you sort of you have an argument for him maybe being viewed more as a franchise quarterback, um, but the guys that have gone in round two, you know, and each each player is a little bit different. You have to, I think, you start from a particular perspective on the on the profile and then move it based on the player and what he he presents um but the the guys with rushing upside are capable of early hits and when you look at the guys that that get there early in their career a lot of them a a majority of them a strong majority of them have a rushing aspect to their profile and you know we we can i think universally agree that josh allen's not a good passer uh, and, you know, he's consistently below expectation in terms of completion percentage, um, you know, see whatever completion percentage over expectation. Um, he's consistently below average and that will really improve this year. But his rushing profile is such that it's just I mean, he was basically a lock for two touchdowns a game most games because his rushing floor was so high. And so uh, Jalen Hurts can get can replicate that to some degree so um and he might even be a better runner than than alan is so um those guys are interesting depending on where they fall in the draft all right we've got the let's say the two minute warning here so jordan anything you want to say tell our listeners where to get the book anything else you want to talk about you're you're still doing stuff for uth yeah oh yeah still doing stuff for uth those guys are down in uh mobile right now at the senior bowl so uh when i say guys i should I should be gender specific. It's Katie and uh, Chad. So guy and gal or gal and guy, depending on the order of which I say them. Um, They're down in uh, Mobile right now, uh, scouting the senior bowl. So um, checking out with what they're doing. Uh, Just be uh, one cautionary tale. Um, I've said this in a couple other spots. Just be careful who you're listening to about what's going on at the senior bowl. Um, Some, I was down there a couple (laughs) years ago and some of the information that was getting pumped out was from, people that weren't anywhere near watching what the field was happening. So just be careful on those sorts of things. Um, a lot of narratives get built and then it just tends to be an echo chamber on stuff that people aren't actually watching. So just be careful on those things. I heard Kyle um, Laletta was going to be like this amazing NFL quarterback. That didn't happen. He was uh, Amaro Darbo and Amaro Darbo <laughs> is going to be a wide receiver one. Um, so yeah, I'm we're, still doing stuff him. with them. Um, and uh, he then... says such a good story. His backstory is great. Yeah, he just he, he didn't produce at the Senior Bowl quite like everyone. Yeah, thought and that it was, was like he's blown up in practice, and turns out that was a lie. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So uh, still over at UTH, you can find the book Analytics of Dynasty, the 2020 edition, is on sale now for thirty dollars. A lot of stuff we talked about, uh, you know, looking at players' profiles and sort of how to maximize those things. A lot of different things in the book. A lot of strategy. It's great for super flex. Uh, gives you a good idea how to value rookie picks. Um, and startup picks and optimal strategies for, for a variety of different types of drafts uh, and rookie drafts, how to put together a rookie board, those sorts of things. A lot of different stuff in there. If you're newer to Dynasty, if you're just taking the plunge, uh, I'd still recommend the 2019 edition. I have it on sale for $20. Um, I've had some newer people, uh, you know, newer followers and, and, and people that are newer to Dynasty uh, start with that. 
And it's actually great because all that data is still, it's still fresh. It's nothing's like outdated. It's 10 years. It's, it was 10 years of, of study um, on, on drafts and, and players and, and value uh, that's still good. And it's not, it's still, it's still relevant. These aren't, uh, you know, 2020 specific guides. The 2019 wasn't a 2019 specific guide. It was a how-to on how to play Dynasty. Uh, and then you apply that in 2019 or 2020 with this book. Um, so all of it, all of that old stuff, if you're new, if you're newer to Dynasty or just taking the plunge or just say, hey, I've been playing Reject. I want to get into Dynasty and have an idea of sort of how to value these players a little bit differently. Go ahead and get the 2019 edition. Start with that, and then take a step up to the 2020 edition because that'll be a little bit more. It's a little bit more topical. 2019 is more of a how-to. 2020 is more of an application type thing. It would be like a 200 level course if you were thinking of like a college thing. Um, so um, yeah, so you can find all that analyticsdynasty.com/shop. Get get either one of the books, um, and uh, you can find me. I'm doing Patreon stuff. You know, Ryan's a Ryan's a subscriber. I'm going to record Correct. fire up the audacity when I'm done, with, <laughs> when I'm done with you guys and record something um, that actually a, a subscriber brought to me today, a question that he had about a player. And I just sort of looked at it and I said, awesome medium because I just can say, Hey, here's something I'm looking at. Uh, let's record 10, 15 minutes on it and get it out. And I think I've done almost 20 shows and like, a month. Just, you're amazing. You're, you're a much better picture. Yeah. But well, I'm just I'm sitting here researching. And I'm like, let's get it out. And so uh, it's a great it's a great medium, and it takes the pressure off of writing. Like writing is such a writing is a stressful process to me. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a great it's you can get that. Um, I have a group me chat for my subscribers. A couple of them are in startup drafts right now. Uh, you know, it's a it's a good it's a good medium and I like the medium quite a bit. So, um, you can find that at patreon.com slash analytics of dynasty and, um, yeah. And give me a follow on Twitter at McNamara dynasty. If you have any questions about the book or what might be right for you or sort of, you know, is it, is it good for this type of league or anything? Just hit me on, hit me on DMS. I'm I've got free time right now. So <laughs> you can hit me on DMS at McNamara dynasty. And it's, listen, it's worth every penny. I do not get a commission from Jordan for saying this. It's they're both great books. I can't recommend them enough. I promise you, if you spend the $30 uh, on the new book or the $20 in the first one, you will not regret it. It's worth every penny. Um, it, it really is, Jordan. It's an amazing resource. And just the, the work you put into it, it's amazing. There's so much great information in there. You, you spent a ton of time on it. And really, you. if you listen to the show and you got anything out of it, there's so much more in the book. You got to buy the book. You, you have to have it. If you're playing league against me, you got to have it because I'll <laughs> slaughter you again. So. I already purchased it tonight, yeah, Ryan. So, yeah. And as I'm a fantasy champion winner against Ryan by one point this year, let me tell you. Uh, well, let's not talk about it. Damn Aaron Rodgers. I just need oh, some fantasy defenses, Ryan. Get that out of here. There's no yeah. analytics of dynasty for fantasy defenses because they're stupid. Hey, they're I want to get that out of that league too. That's like one of our only dynasty leagues. I'd be the two-time <laughs> champion if it weren't for fantasy defenses. Yeah. I hate defenses. Let's bring that up again. Sorry. Yeah. Is that going to be the next book, Jordan? No. It's a, no. I can't. People have asked me, hey, can you do IDP? And I'm like, you have no idea. If With all the data dives that I went in to do Analytics Dynasty 1 and Dynasty 2, like if I did IDP or Debbie, I would never come back. Like I would just, I would, I would be in a hole. I would dig myself right to China. I was like, you know, right, right through the earth. I would never come back. Uh, yeah no it's, it's oh the too- movie the core uh great great scientific movie about how you can go <laughs> through the center of the earth uh they actually made that as a i guess like a somewhat joke of like 
pretending like they're going through layers and there's like the big layer where they're like diamonds floating around anyway that would be where Jordan, don't, don't go there don't go there it's a fantasy <laughs> so stay here with us <laughs> all right on that note we gotta get out of here it's been it's been a couple hours but we are the fancy joes you can find us on twitter at ff joes on behalf of will greenwood i'm ryan livergood and we are the fantasy joes welcome to the core it's such a funny That's movie a- like they create this like machine a secret government program known as Project Destiny. We're building a weapon that could generate targeted seismic events. Designed to use earthquakes to attack our enemies. I'm getting a seismic reading. It was a perfect, untraceable weapon. Destiny is a go. Until something went wrong. That's an electrical superstorm. Popping up all over the world. I'll put this as simply as I can. Everybody on Earth is dead in the year. The core of the Earth has stopped spinning. The spinning core protects us from cosmic radiation. Without it, radiation will create superstorms. Microwaves will literally cook our planet. How could this have happened? It was Project Destiny. We killed the planet. So, how do we fix it? We can't. The core is the size of Mars. You're talking about jump-starting a planet. What if we could? We're here about your legendary ship. What would it take to get it in three months? Fifty billion dollars. You take a check? We need you to control the flow of information. You want me to hack the planet? I'm gonna need Star Trek tapes and Hot Pockets. You are good. Is there anything you can't do? Not that I'm aware of. You're trying to save the world. It's impossible. I came here to save my wife and children. I just hope I'm brave enough to save three. I can't wait to get into an untested ship, go to the center of the Earth, and restart its core with a thousand megatons of nuclear weapons. Then we outrun the biggest shockwave in history. Hot damn. San Francisco is in ruins. The whole West Coast is out. And it's decaying faster than we thought. Two, one. We're going in. Whoever goes into the core is not coming back. We're losing oxygen! Reach! Get a job to do. Let's do it.